Welcome to the Wet Podcast, episode number 20. surprised and a little impressed i guess with how popular these solo casts are i uh, i started doing them out of kind of out of necessity because i wanted to be in the habit of releasing every friday and because uh there were a few weeks where i didn't have any interviews stored up so mostly out of laziness on my part <laughs> sometimes out of scheduling problems uh and sometimes out of busyness but uh i'm uh, shocked people people like these a lot so um I've, i have a lot less reticence about doing them now um which is which is really nice the in fact one of my most downloaded episodes is a solo cast uh one of them in particular which is which is very odd so thanks for listening in to the solo cast i'm eric marshall i am your host here of the wet podcast which stands for writing education and technology uh, you can find me at ericmarshall.net. That's Eric with a K, Marshall with two L's, dot net. You can find the show notes for these episodes at ericmarshall.net slash wet, W-E-T. And you can find me on Twitter at emarsh. That's E-M-A-R-S-H, emarsh on Twitter. Come follow me. If you're listening to this on iTunes, I do appreciate if you click over and uh, give a review same thing if you're listening on Stitcher. Thanks a lot. So what's going on? So last week uh, in the solo cast, I gave you a rundown of my numbers for January. And I uh, one of the things I had said was it was the 27th, I believe, of January. And I said, well, I suspect I'll be writing the next three days. you know. And I was kind of computing how many words I was going to write. Turns out I didn't write that day. And I hadn't written anything between that time and this morning uh which is almost a week i um uh, i had a big setback i got really sick on friday um i recorded that podcast on thursday edited it and and released it on friday went off to teach and just started feeling really bad during teaching let my class go early and uh, came home and just kind of lay on the couch and in bed for almost three days, uh, during which time I did nothing but watch uh, old movies and watch TV shows and stuff. It was, uh, I haven't been that sick in a long time. It was crazy. I don't know what it was, but it was not pleasant, let me tell you. Didn't write during that time, which, um, as, as a lot of you probably know, once you get out of a habit, it's uh, it's very hard sometimes to get back into the habit. You know, it's easy to fall off. So I didn't spend any time on uh, during the week doing any writing whatsoever. Um, I did write a little this morning, and I'm going to write a little this afternoon. But big setback on the writing front, and I'm really unhappy about it. Uh, I'm not going to beat myself up about it or anything or despair I just it just it it happened and now I need to get back on the horse and start writing again if I want to reach that million words but um 
Yeah, so there's an update for you. That was a big change, change of pace. Uh, in fact, I still haven't even published the uh, blog post about writing, uh, my January writing, in part because of that. So uh, that's that. But what have I been doing? Um, before the, the big setback, I was writing a, an article about uh, academic self-publishing. Uh, the question being, should academics self-publish? Uh, it came from a tweet from Kim Lacey, who you can hear on uh, a previous episode. Just search, uh, search the archives for Kim Lacey, uh, where we had a really good interview about uh, teaching, about teaching composition, about uh, technology and teaching, um, and how, you know, in uh, the teaching of writing. A very, very good interview, which I highly recommend you go check out. Um, but anyway, she had tweeted something about uh, thinking about self-publishing and, and for an academic, which is something I, I've thought about and I've been thinking about a little bit. And so I started drafting an article that I'll uh, post, I don't know, in the next week or so, I imagine. But uh, I'm going to give you the gist of it here. Uh, so the question is, should academics self-publish? And my answer is yes and no. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> So, you know, and then you know the question is like, what does self-publishing mean, right? And I think we all kind of have a have a sense of that. You know, self-publishing is putting work up, uh, usually for sale on major platforms like Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Kobo, iBooks. Uh, although most people will probably focus on Amazon. You know, you upload the work, do the cover art, all that stuff. But the point is, you do it all yourself, right? Um, it makes a lot of sense for people who publish fiction or certain nonfiction. But should academics do it? And, you know, I say, who's to say whether someone should do something or not? Um, you know, I'm the type that I'd rather apologize later and ask for forgiveness than ask for permission, right? Um, but that said, uh, you know, one of the reasons that academics publish is for tenure, tenure and promotion. And any kind of self-publishing is is almost certainly not going to be considered for tenure and promotion. You know, for for most of those processes, you need to have peer-reviewed work in uh, recognized journals. That's pretty standard, and unless you're in a pretty liberal or kind of uh, forward-thinking maybe um, department, it's not going to count. So. If you're thinking about doing self-publishing in order to build up your CV for, for tenure and promotion, I think it's a very bad idea. But does this mean you shouldn't do it? I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, it just depends on your reasons for wanting to. You know, if you want to hold, avoid the whole tedious process of peer review, which can take forever and ever, um, you know, from the time you submit a piece, it could be up to two years before you see it published. Um, do you have some work that's not strictly academic, but you want to share with the world? Do you want to reach a broader or different audience than the readership of whatever peer-reviewed journals in your field? I mean, those might be good reasons to consider self-publishing. A lot of academics have blogs, um, which also, I think, probably do not count <laughs> for tenure and promotion. So why not just blog? You know, what's the difference between a blog and, and self-publishing? I mean, really, there's no difference in a sense. You're, you're, you're writing something and you're putting it out for the world to see. Uh, blogs are, you know, usually free. They're searchable on the Internet. They're open to the public. Um, 
Self-published works can be. I mean, I've seen things on Amazon that are just glorified blog entries or blog entry collections, stuff like that. Um, but I would imagine if you're thinking about self-publishing, you're probably thinking about something longer, something that you're going to get edited professionally or, you know, have edited somehow, something that's more publication ready. Um, so why, why do one and not the other? Uh, I think the major consideration to deciding whether to self-publish is the audience. If you're writing something for a more general audience, something people outside of academia might want to read, then self-publishing might be a good way to go. And why not? For most academics, self-publishing would have to be an and situation, both peer-reviewed academic articles and self-publishing rather than either or. If you're writing self-pub work, whether fiction, experimental, quasi-academic, or memoir, if it doesn't interfere with your academic work, then why not dip your toes into the world of, of self-publishing? Um, again, I, I wouldn't replace peer-reviewed stuff with it, but you know, something to, to add on to, right? Um, is there a stigma in academia to self-publishing? Maybe. I mean, there can be a stigma to publishing something that's not academic work, whether traditionally or self-published in some departments. There will always be people who tell you you shouldn't do something or that something outside of the rigidly prescribed guidelines will hurt your career. There will be people who are jealous or fearful or of upsetting the status quo. There will always be people who think doing things for money is vulgar. There will always be people who want to control what you do. But you got into the academic world to express yourself, to experiment with writing, and to communicate. So don't let other people constrain the types or venues of expression available to you. If you want to do it, do it. You know, Don't worry about what, what other people might think. Because you know, when it comes down to it, and this is kind of a side note, I guess, but when it comes down to it, what I've learned in life is nobody really cares what you do, <laughs> except for those, I guess, above-mentioned people who are jealous or fearful or whatever. Um, we think people care. We think they'll disapprove or they'll laugh at us. or We crave their acceptance and their applause and their encouragement, but mostly people don't care. I mean, who do you care about? A few people, sure, but there are people out there who think you care about them, who think you'll judge them if they do a certain thing that they've been dreaming about doing, but in reality, you might not even notice. Whatever it is they're thinking about doing, you might not even become aware of, because they're busy, and so is everyone else. It might be harder to believe that nobody cares, you know, you might not want to believe that, but or that nobody will notice, um, than it is to believe that people will disapprove, but hey, at least if they disapprove, they've noticed you, right? But... I think uh, when it comes down to it, <laughs> nobody notices anything unless you call attention to it anyway. So eh, go ahead and do it, right? Um, I'm not trying to be glib. Well, I guess I am trying to be glib, but I'm not. You know, <laughs> but my glibness does not mean that it's a it's a decision to be taken lightly. I just find that if if you desire to publish something, and your reason for not doing it is that you're afraid it might not look good or it might hurt you somehow professionally, then maybe you need to rethink your profession. You know, maybe rethink where you are, what department you're in, if if you're in that situation. Because you, you only you only go around once, you know, in this life. So if you want to do something, you need to do it. And don't let don't let the fear of somebody else 
judging you or whatever, you know, stop you from doing that. You know, the only exception to that would be if you're thinking about doing self-publishing instead of doing what you should be doing for tenure and promotion, which is which is publishing in, in peer-reviewed articles. If, if that takes away time from that, then I would say don't do it. But ultimately, uh, why not, right? So that's my take on uh, academic self-publishing. Should, should academic self-publish? Personally, I would like to see the peer review process streamlined and shortened. I would like to see more academics um, able to share ideas in a way that that is not just blogging or tweeting, um, but in a way that's still thoughtful, and you know, in a way that maybe you could maybe sell, you know, maybe you can make a little money on the side if that's your goal or share it with a wider audience. I think that all too often academia is about, you know, it's about sharing your work freely, um, but only with other academics. And I think that if you have the desire to be more of a public intellectual, I think that we need more of those. I think we need more academics who, who, who can and will do that. So that's my my final take on the on the issue. I wrote some other stuff today, just on a notepad off the top of my head, but I'm not going to read it to you. So forget about it. Forget about it. Oh yeah, I'm still working on this uh, excuses thing. Uh, I think I'm going to read you one of those, and I'm going to sign off here. I have a cat in front of me right next to the mic and I think he's going to start purring and if he does you might hear it so if you hear some weird sound that might be what it is uh, one of the excuses that people use is that I need to be inspired I can't write unless I'm inspired I think this is one of the most insidious myths of creativity so many artists are sitting around waiting to be inspired guess what it's never going to come. And if it does, you'll tell yourself you're too busy to do anything about it. Real writers write. Real artists art. Or whatever. You, you get the idea. It's nice to be inspired, but you have to work even when you're not. Often the inspiration comes after the hard work of sitting down and writing, not before. Remember that scene in Rear Window? When Lisa asks L.B. Jeffries where the musician across the way gets his inspiration, and James Stewart delivers the line perfectly, he, he gets it from the landlady every month. Most writers will tell you they can't tell a difference between times when they were inspired and times when they weren't. Uh, there's this video I like to watch from time to time of Neil uh, Gaiman, Gaiman, Gaiman in addressing the graduate graduating class of... Um, a small college, and I'll, I can link to it in the show notes. It's full of great advice for being an artist, but one of the things that sticks with me is when he says that you don't have to wait for inspiration, you know, and he mentions that he can't tell the difference between the times he's inspired and the times he wasn't. I mean, inspiration is great. I get mine most often in the shower. Uh, I've considered getting waterproof markers so I can write down my great ideas, but usually I just get all excited and then either write them down immediately after the shower or more often I just forget them entirely. Uh, it's a shame, and it fills me with anxiety, no doubt. Uh, but I know I'll have other ideas. I mean, the well is infinite. There, there will You always will have more ideas. So if you lose a couple, it's a bummer, but 
they, they keep coming in, in my experience. Um, another common time for inspiration is upon waking. Uh, I keep a notebook, notebook next to the bed uh, to write down ideas I have in the morning. Sometimes I do, and sometimes I'm too lazy. Figuring I'll remember them later, which I rarely do. Sometimes I even jump out of bed, fire up the word processor, or even grab a legal pad and start writing. Uh, those days are few and far between, however. Most of the time I just forget the idea. Uh, I hate not capturing inspiration as it comes, but it happens. And like I said, there will be more opportunities and more ideas. I do think it's a good idea to have a notebook next to your bed and write. It's just, this is hard, basically. Um, the far worse sin than letting inspired ideas go, though, is not creating when you're not inspired because you're wasting valuable time. If you're waiting for inspiration, it will come when you're not ready to take advantage of it. And even inspired ideas might take months or longer to complete, so you need the discipline of daily, pra daily practice to bring these ideas to fruition. I can't tell you how many times I've begun writing simply because it's time to write. I have a daily word count goal and I have to fulfill it no matter what, no matter how I feel or what I want or don't want to write about. Uh, it is often the case that I will begin uninspired out of a sense of obligation to myself, which is often the hardest, which is often the hardest obligation to honor, and end up inspired. The idea catches me as I write, not before. I don't know what I have to say or how much I love the idea until I begin articulating it. The inverse is also true. Sometimes I'll get inspired by an idea and then lose steam after a while, you know, because sometimes the idea is a novel, and a novel takes a long time to write. And, you know, if I'm inspired by a new idea on February 5th, well, by... February 20th, you know, it's it's hard to get out of bed and write. You know, I have a lot of unfinished projects for that reason. Uh, you can't you can't rely on it. You need a system. You need to sit down and you need to do your work. Sit down or write or paint or draw or code or whatever it is that's your calling. You just sit down and do it, even if you don't feel like you've got anything to give that day. You might surprise yourself. So that's the... Uh, the section, uh, the excuse section on you need to be inspired. That's uh, one of the emails that will go out to my list, uh, which you can sign up for if you go to ericmarshall.net slash list, um, or just go to ericmarshall.net and sign up. Just throw your email in there, and I'm going to start sending those uh, these emails in a series to my list pretty soon. Um, I have 5, 10, I don't know, maybe 13 of them so far. So... And I'll read some of them on the podcast, but certainly not all of them. Well, hey, thanks for listening to another solo cast. Once again, I'm Eric Marshall. I'm the host of the Wet Podcast. Next week, I should have an interview for you. Uh, this is Writing, Education, and Technology. You can find show notes at ericmarshall.net slash wet. Please go rate me on iTunes at the Wet Podcast. Um, you can find a link to the iTunes store at ericmarshall.net slash wet where you'll also find show notes follow me on twitter at emarsh uh, let me know in the comments how you feel about these excuses and about academic self-publishing or whatever else that's on your mind alright talk to you next week bye